Morning. I'm just, yeah, writing stuff. How are we doing today? We are doing good? Okay. It's a little dark today, isn't it, outside? Okay. We're, we're good. All right. This morning, we're going to start off by asking our two questions. Can someone, this is test time. Can someone tell me what they are? One person, no, I'll shout it out because then it sounds like audio scribble. Lord, what do you want to say to me? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. What's the second one? How do you want me to respond? Is that correct? How many try to do that daily? Ask those questions. Okay. How many have a pen on them today? Anybody? Okay. If you have a pen and you're not asking those questions, write them on your hand. Okay? And better yet, let that sink in and be written on your heart because we want to ask those questions every single day. We have, we've had another tough week in our country, have we not? How do we respond if we don't ask the Lord? How do we represent him who desperately needs to be seen on both sides of every argument you can imagine if we're not asking those questions and being mobilized by his spirit? How are things going to change? Can you tell me? Will they? No. Those two questions are as vital as they get. We don't say this so that uh, we're filling our church duty. We don't ask these questions so it sounds religious and sounds like the right thing to do. It's the only thing we can do is posture ourselves before the Lord because hate and fear have taken root and they're having their way. And they're having their way in God's people. So asking the question, Lord, what do you want to say to me and posturing ourselves in a way to hear and to listen so that we can say, now I hear you, how do you want me to respond is vital so that we can respond with something that's not on our radar something greater than what we think our own justice is. And that way we see God's love at hand in a way we've never seen before. God always has more to pour out. So this all has a purpose. We're, we're going to go through Psalm 121 today. And I don't like this one. It is a Sunday school psalm. And what I mean by that is one we learn. It's one we sing about. I lift my eyes up. You know that one? Up to the mountains. Oh, yay. It's so fun. It's so light and fluffy. Nuh-uh. It's tormented me. Because what happens when you feel like this help? Our help comes from the Lord, right? We're going to see this. I'm going to read it in a second. We're going to hear the word watch. God watches over us. He watches over us. But when we have weeks like this, do we not look at the mountains and wonder where our help is coming from? I mean, this makes it sound so, it's a done deal. God's there, but it doesn't feel that way. I'm being honest. How many of you feel sometimes you know that he's there, but you don't feel it sometimes? Okay, let's be honest about where we're at. It doesn't mean we don't love God. It doesn't mean we don't trust him, but we are learning to posture ourselves the way David and the other psalmists did in the midst of questions. 
They're not afraid to ask their questions. They're not afraid to express their doubts, their anger, their fear. But then they continue to go back what they do know. They may question sometimes, but they know that God is faithful. We are not saying by asking the question, where is he in this moment, that he's not faithful. We're just slower than he is. So we're trying to keep in step with him. And so it's important that as we go through the Psalms, remember that this is about the posture of the psalmist, which means we need to posture ourselves in a like in a manner that reflects that of vulnerability and authenticity before the Lord so that we can step more fully into his presence. Because when we bring everything before him, when we give him open access to who we are, we can begin to process what's going on rather than denying ourselves the process and the healing and the breakthrough that comes from it. You with me? Okay. So I'm going to read this psalm to you, and we're going to get into it. And I just want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read this to you. And I just want you to relax into it. So Lord, we say, what do you want to say to us this morning? And how do you want us to respond? I thank you that those questions are simple, yet two of the most powerful we can ask. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade It's your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. That's a, that's a hard passage. The psalmist is writing to, addressing pilgrims that make their journey to J- Jerusalem to worship. And so you hear language of I look up in the mountains, which they would do, and and oftentimes in that culture, it was dangerous in those mountains. And so it triggered something. So when they they looked at the mountains, you really, it created fear. You got animals in there, you've got bandits, you got people that hide out in those places. And so you kind of look and you go, where is my help going to come from as I'm going to worship? Because there's some fear going on here because there's dangers, there's risks, right? There's risks every day. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
And there are things that create fear in us, and we go, okay, we identify where, there's all, where those are, and don't we ask, where's our help going to come from today? And as Christians, we know where it comes from. We know. But we want what we know to become our experience. How many of you still know stuff about the Lord you're waiting to become experience for you? Anybody? Yeah. And if you were here on worship uh, on Wednesday, when we wait for that, we praise in the waiting. Okay? So those of you that are waiting for what you know to become experience and you're getting frustrated or impatient, there's something that you can do that will bring you joy, and that's praise in the midst of the waiting. So you have these pilgrims, and they're traveling to go worship. You see some of this imagery, and this is not just literal. It's not just addressing these people, but it's also, it's also kind of a parable about life in general. So the, the writer of this psalm is also addressing what happens in everyday life. There are things that will create fear. There are things where you're going to go, where does my help come from? And the psalmist is saying your help comes from the one who's created all things. Now, that may seem like common sense when you look at this, but it's very important to understand that it's not just contextual to this experience. It also has meaning for us today. This is where our help comes from. And the word you're going to hear over and over in this passage that you did, can anyone tell me? Watch. It's used six times. You either see keep, preserve, or watch. Whatever translation that you have, but the same word in Hebrew, it's shamar, which really means to, to keep, to watch, to exactly what it says. So we have this image of God in here that he watches, he protects. What happens when it doesn't feel that way? What happens when I, don't, when I look up and I don't see what he's doing? I think that's a fair question. Who thinks that's a fair question? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. I read something like this. Man, I've, I've felt like I was in harm's way before. I felt like maybe he wasn't watching over me. I feel like, oh, he, he maybe does sleep on the job. That's how I might feel, right? Circumstances trigger what? An emotional response, a reaction. And we go off a lot of times how we feel. Our feelings are great things, but they can also lead us into bad things, right? We create stereotypes. We see it. We've seen it all week. What happens when we just go off our emotions instead of what we know about who God is? I want to show this clip. It's about two and a half minutes. And I want you to ask the Lord this, this, that, those questions. Lord, what do you want me to see in this? Okay, so if we can dim the lights for a second and then um, get this clip. And then we will address it.
hear you too, Mama. You're right there. Why are you crying, Mama? Because I'm happy. Someone tell me who that's about. Ray Charles. Raise your hand if that strikes you emotionally other than me. Okay. Obviously, it's a story of him uh, growing up and he loses his sight. And we have this beautiful scene. What did you observe? What? She watched him. Was she there? <sighs> he changed. What else? He learned. What did he learn? Mark, I'm going to put you in the hot spot. Well, he just learned how to navigate to get his senses. Yeah. His what did he learn at the end? That his mom was still there. I can say amen and we can all leave. When we hear this passage, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is not a God that just comes in to do everything for you. He comes to do things with you and partner with you. He doesn't look at us as these helpless beings that always need to be saved every single second of the day. We're made of more than that. We're made in the image of God. We are made to partner with him, and we know where our help comes from, but we, start, we have to start looking at help a little differently. His help and our help are different. We want to be rescued so we don't have to be pressed and learn. We want to be removed from the situation so we don't have to endure it. But when we endure with Jesus, we learn things about him and the world around us in ways we can be effective for the kingdom. This is one of the most powerful scenes. I'm a movieaholic. And this is one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in movies because it shows us a great representation of the heart of God. Mom was still there. Mom's heart wanted to rescue him, wanted to say, don't go near the fire. But she knew that she had to let him learn, feel the heat. But she wasn't going to let him get burned, was she? She was ready. She's watching. She's there. She's going to preserve his life. She's going to go after him if she needs to. But she's there. And I love that you see the anguish on her face. As she knows she's got to let him do this. Or else he'll really be crippled. See, we look at things more often than not with just our eyes. But we see if we allow God to do what he wants to do in us and through us, we'll be able to see him in different ways. We'll be able to recognize him in different ways. I may not see him the way I want to see him in times that we've had this week, but I have got to be still and know and remember that he's right there. And then when I say, Lord, 
what do you want to say to me? It's not going to be me just seeing something. I'm going to hear things. I'm going to experience things. It's going to be different because his help is different than what I think his help should be. My, my version of help is get me out of this, right? I mean, from extreme situations to dumb situations, you know, with people you just don't want to talk to. Oh, here comes Joe Schmo. Lord, get me out of this, Right? And it's all over the spectrum. And we just want to be rescued. But guess what? In the garden, we made a decision and it has had a ripple effect. This is the reality that we're in. But Jesus has, has given us new life to engage that reality. And until he returns again, this is how it's going to be. And we can't go around with our own sense of what help looks like or our own sense of what justice looks like. We have to allow God to be the judge. We have to allow him to exercise his help, his partnership with us, his love and grace through us. We can't go rogue. We got to stay with him or else we're just helpless. And we're going to actually run into the fire. And this passage is not this little Sunday school, hunky-dory, everything's okay thing. This is, this is hard stuff. What happens when I don't feel this is true, when I feel? Notice I didn't say no, I know it's true. And then guess what? You start whining about it, you start freaking out and getting anxiety-ridden, all this, and then God does something, and you see his help come in and his timing and his way, and then you go, oh man, who's been there? Your hairline has gone back because you just freaked out too much and you go, man, I could have had a whole head of hair if I had just stayed with Jesus. Right? Amen? When we looked at that clip... The first time I saw it, you know, when you see that kind of stuff by yourself, it's never a good thing. And I thought I'd be bold and watch it by myself. And I'm like sitting in my office weeping, right? And the thing that, that triggered me is that you get a bird's eye view of the reality of our relationship with God. And it... it moved me in the way that when Jesus says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, hit me with new truth. And I just want to tell you this, out of full disclosure, I think for the first time, it went from here to my experience. That I know he won't leave me and I know he won't forsake me. And sometimes it's just about watching others experience that allows you to experience And I sat through this weekend, you know, you watch the news and every word you hear from the Lord you feel is tested. But then you see, when you allow yourself to see beyond just your eyes, you see God at work. You see him mobilizing people. You see him reminding people of those words, I am here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I never said everything's going to be hunky-dory. If anything, he said it was going to get harder, worse. Here's the deal. 
I was in San Diego last week. I was around some people that I served with at church. I was around people that um, I ministered to. It was great to see them. And when I got back here, people said, how's your time in California? Bet you wish you were back there still. When you go beyond these walls, for me, when I go beyond these walls, it's really easy when you're within them, take for granted what God is doing here in his people. It is. You think, oh, this is the norm. And I go out there, I couldn't wait to get back. Because the kingdom is ripe. And what's happening here, the things that we've been talking about, if they're fleshed out, if we as a family step into them, if we step into the help that God has given us, the atmosphere is going to change. I've said that before. It's an absolute reality. I was absolutely burdened, burdened when I saw that the main goal of a lot of churches is just to get stuff done and get a bunch of church plants. Who cares? If the love of God is not being expressed vulnerably, authentically, through every relational encounter. Who cares? Hey, Bridgewood, let's go plant a, a billion churches. It'll be awesome. We'll feel like we, do, we did stuff. What did we do? Trap another group of people in some walls to give them some solid teaching? We are the bleeding heart because we carry the one who bleeds for us. And people need to see that. People need to see that. I believe that's the trajectory God has for us. This place, this is a, this is a, a home base to be sent out. To be sent out into those mountains where it feels dangerous, but we know where our help comes from. We know the one who's with us. We know the one who's going to move even when we don't think he's moving. We know the one who's going to do breakthrough when we were like, where is it? Well, why don't we praise in the waiting and then we'll see something really happen. Now, I'm trying to connect this together for us here because when we're frustrated about not seeing what we want to see from God, that's where we praise him for who he is. Because we see what happens when we get our way. Don't we? And it is not good. It's not good. I'll tell you, if you see me becoming a Christian in name only, you better smack me in the head. I'm serious. That's not funny. John, you're laughing at me. I'm, I'm saying, John, you smack me in the head. You're like one of the nicest people I know, but you got to go brutal on me. How many want to be known as that? Uh-uh. I, again, I, I don't see, and I'm being honest with you. I hope, I hope that your time with me has showed you that I don't like flattery, and I won't say anything unless I believe it's true. Okay? So I say this. I do not see, I do not see a church full of pew sitters here. I do not. I do not. I see bleeding hearts for Jesus. Some might need to be activated, but we're here. 
What does that look like beyond these walls? I'm not going to pretend to even tell you that I know. But if we continue to keep our eyes on him, you will know. You will know. It's not about taking one side or another that's out there. It's not about sides. It's about staying with Jesus. And he's going to put you right in the middle of attention of an argument, of a, thing, of a political thing, of all of this stuff. And you're going to have the right answer because it's his answer. And people are going to see you loving them. They're going to go, wait a minute. All our energy has been put towards this other stuff. And all I had to do was come to Jesus? Yep. And that's what we call on our bumper stickers the come to Jesus moment. So I want to read this to you again. And today has been a lot more of exhortation because sometimes we need a good kick in the pants, don't we? Your job is not to start a bunch of other ministries. If God starts a movement through you, great, and we can call them ministry, but it's because you went where he went. Your call is not to go and plant 50 different churches and get everyone, oh man, as long as they're not on the streets. The church belongs in the streets. You kidding me? They belong in every neighborhood, every police station, everywhere. The heart of God needs to be everywhere, not just in these walls. Are you kidding me? We need to show them where our help comes from. So I say this again. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He alone. The maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Do you believe that? Doesn't always feel that way. But do you believe that? He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's always watching. He doesn't stop. He's not like Peter, James, and John falling asleep on Jesus. He does not stop watching you. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. How many times have we already heard that? You think it's important for us to know? Yes. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all, what? Harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. And we're not talking about the spectator kind of watch. We're not talking about Midler's God is watching us from a distance. No. He's right there in that room that we saw wanting to pick us up, but knowing he can't right now, knowing he has to allow us to learn to see, to hear, to feel, and at the same time, knowing that he's there. How many of you have kids that are all grown up? Do you really want to hold them like this and feed them? It'll break your back, right? 
Some of you might be in that already. <laughs> no, you want to see them mature and grow. And the most agonizing thing as a parent is having to watch them kind of fall. Not get injured, not get hurt. But sometimes, well, they might have to try and touch that stove. Metaphorically. But we know that he is always there. We don't, have to, we don't ever have to ask that question again. We just have to learn to hear and see differently. When you see lives like that, like a Ray Charles, who had his stuff, but he had to learn to see the world differently. It's too easy to take the bait in our culture and see the world as the world sees it. When we look up, we know who the, one, who the one is that's helping us, and we know we have to stay where he is, or else we'll see the world like everybody else, and that is not what we need. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, I am humbled by how much you love us. It almost feels like a foolish statement because <laughs> it doesn't grip or communicate the depths of your love for us. But we're going to try. I thank you that when we look up, we know where our help comes from. And for some of us, I ask that what we know of you would become our daily experience. And for those of us that what we know is our daily experience, thank you. I pray that we continue to press in as we wait with eager expectation for you to move, for you to help, for you to do your thing, that we continue to praise you for who you are. Who you are. Not what you can give us, simply who you are. And would you show us on a daily basis what it looks like to praise you in all circumstances, especially in the waiting, especially in the torment, especially in the questions we have. May we continue to praise you as David and the other psalmists did. They had questions. They, they were scared. They didn't know why certain things were happening. They, didn't, they felt isolated at times. They felt alone. They felt helpless at times. But at the end of the day, they knew and know where your, their help comes from, as do we. And so we pray that your heart would continue to break through the wickedness of this world, our own sense of entitlement, that we can be the ones who shape this world without you. Forgive us if that's been our thinking. We ask that we would continue to be with you as you are with us because that is what it's about, being with you. And if we can do that, Lord, I'm confident that you will show us how to respond to every situation that we get in, good or bad, with integrity, righteousness, and faithfulness. I thank you that you love your people so much that you would give your one and only son for us. May we not ever take him for granted, but continue to step in to the heart of God, to your heart that bleeds for us daily. We thank you, Jesus.
I ask as we take tithes and offerings that we would be reminded that this is something that we get to do, not have to do. That this is, you give us this. You give us the money. You give us resources. It's yours. And so I just say, or have your way. Continue to bless our church family financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in every way possible. Would you bless us? Would your favor continue to be upon us? May we continue to lay ourselves at your feet and say, Lord, what do you want to say and how do you want us to respond? We want to be about your heart, your business. Lead us to the ones who need to know who you are. Simply through relational connection, modeling your sweet and tender spirit and your love for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. No, the rock won't move When darkness seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace The rock won't move No, the rock won't move On Christ the solid rock I stand on the ground Sinking sand Rock us, Savior.